We recorded this show on Thursday afternoon, and right after that show, the news about Case Keenum broke about him being one of the many players for the Cleveland Browns who has contracted or been a close contact with respect to a COVID. Therefore, it doesn't really change the analysis much, and you'll find that out as you listen to the podcast. But of course, instead of Case Keenum, it will be Nick Mullins starting at quarterback. So wanted to make sure everybody who was listening knew that going into the show, because that News broke immediately after we recorded. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special episode of Fantasy Football Today, DFS. This is Sia Najad. I am with Mike McClure, as always. Frank is out again with a not, not feeling super well, so he will be back with us certainly next week. But uh, I'll be taking over, trying to take over some of these hosting duties. Mike, how are you today? And are, are you excited about this two-game slate? I, I have some questions for you, but I want to get your first impressions with all of the COVID news happening. I am always excited about a slate of DFS games, to be honest with you, but I'm very excited about this slate of games because it's so small. There are some pretty obvious options. It's very clear to understand where the public is going to go with this. Uh, So it's very easy to calculate what kind of payoff we'll be looking at if we make some of the other decisions. So overall, yeah, I I really, really, really like this two-game slate. Let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people, and we'll get into Raiders, Browns, and uh, the Patriots at the Colts in just one second, but from a roster construction standpoint, is there anything that you might do differently with a two-game slate um, versus maybe showdown? I mean, obviously, this is a little different than showdown. You have twice the player pool, but do you treat it kind of like a showdown slate or just something different? Um, mostly something different, but you have to, you have to understand like where some of the values are, where, you know, it's drastically different from a showdown slate really. And the reason why is because you are handicapped on where you must go with those players. So like on tonight's this, we're recording this on Thursday, obviously I'm spoiler alert, but, um, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to play, if you don't want to play any tight ends, you don't have to on a showdown slate. You Mm -hmm. must play a tight end on a two game slate. You must play three wide receivers. You must play two running backs. So, the, and you can only play one quarterback. And I think that is the obvious source of edge here is the only getting to play one quarterback because on a two game slate, it really forces ownership into one or two very specific spots. And it gives you these unusual payoffs for taking some of these other quarterbacks that you don't get in a showdown slate because in a showdown slate, you could roster two quarterbacks really easily. And sometimes like when the Saints play and Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill are both playing, you could roster both of them and the opposing team's quarterback. So it is quite a bit different from the showdown slate, but it's also quite a bit different from a main slate. So what is most important on a two-game slate is the player that is most likely to break the slate. And by break the slate, I mean score multiple times and just have a score that you cannot not have. You have to nail those down. And oftentimes it means punting and taking a zero almost, or, you know, like a showdown slate, like you would. The massive difference here is you're still paying $4,000 for it versus 200 on a showdown slate. But my biggest piece of advice there would be it's okay to punt. It's okay to literally almost take a zero at a spot if you get everything else correct. Makes sense. Okay, so let's get started. We have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. It's a 4.30 Eastern Standard Time game. 
Uh, listen, the, the Browns have been ravaged by COVID. Uh, Vegas Raiders are now favored uh, by just one point. The over-under here, the total is 38 and a half, about 41 degrees, and it's there's going to be some rain, some weather involved, but nothing too drastic to come off or come on to a player. Uh, Darren Waller and Denzel Perryman, they did not practice on Wednesday. Foster Moreau and defensive end Carl Nassib were limited. Uh, Cleveland, 14 players on the COVID list and counting. It, it might be more by the time you're listening to this, but it, it's likely in that 14 to 15 range. It includes Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, multiple pieces of the offensive line. Kareem Hunt and cornerback Greg Newsom are out. David Njoku was activated off the COVID list. He should be good to go. So let's start with the Browns, Mike. Uh, obviously, you would think some value is opening up, but let's remember this offensive line is, is completely sort of out, not completely out, but there's certainly some key pieces that are out. So when we look at guys like Nick Chubb, for example, or, or even Donovan Peoples-Jones, are, are they just sort of must plays because those are the only weapons that they have? Or how are you feeling about that side of the ball? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a tough to, to make decisions on that side of the ball for right now. Um, I, I do like them. I can't say that they're truly must plays because there is a lot of value on the slate overall still. Uh, but I will definitely be using them. To be honest with you, though, where I'm most interested is with some of the backup running back situations. Uh, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, both of those guys I think are going to have to be used. It could be a Demetric Felton game to try to replace some of Kareem Hunt's work in the passing game. Uh, I would expect that they're going to need some shorter passes. He, he can definitely run out and play out of the slot. He can play out wide if he has to. Uh, he's kind of that you know scat back that can really do a lot of that. Um, he's returned kicks for them. He's just an athlete that they want on the field. So I would expect to see him a little bit more. Um, and Joku, though, I do like a lot. Uh, this does project as a slate where I could end up playing two tight ends as well. Um, I, I do like it, but my big interest here is going to be in the backup running backs and figuring that out just because of the elite value that it offers. And you've got the flex spot on this, so you don't have to not play Jonathan Taylor, for example, um, on this slate. So that's where I'm headed for now. Um as Chief does not approve uh, of this game, but uh, and then uh, yeah, give your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I I agree with the David Njoku call at twenty eight hundred on DraftKings. I certainly think that makes sense. I'd be curious to see, and we'll we'll know this sort of closer to game time, hopefully, the ownership on Nick Chubb because if it's low, which it certainly might be because of people wanting to roster Jonathan Taylor, for example, in the next game. Um, you know, that would be an interesting place to go, knowing that the offensive line really, you know, is pretty much absent in this one. So I, I agree with you on Njoku. I, I don't know that I'm going to have a ton of interest in Donna, Donovan Peoples-Jones or Rashad Higgins. But yeah, Dearness Johnson, Dimitri Felton, they certainly make sense. I think both of those guys could get some run. On the other side of the ball, though, Mike, we have... Uh, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs is obviously going to be in play. Three down back, pretty underwhelming last week. Hunter Renfro, I mean, not much to say about him. An absolute target monster, certainly in play. And then, of course, Foster Moreau, who's been, you know, pretty much absent. I mean, he's getting some targets, but he's not getting really any yards and, and very little efficiency. So on that side of the ball, are, are we interested in anything? It's a two-game slate, so we have to be, right? Yeah, it's a two-game slate. You've got to be interested in, in some of it. Um, you know, the obvious piece is Hunter Renfro. Uh, like I was kind of alluding to at the top, it's one where you're likely just, you know, in most of your lineups, you're 
plugging and playing Hunter Renfro, uh, mm-hmm. especially with Darren Waller not going to play in this game. He was just ruled out for sure, maybe a half hour ago. Um, it, it's going to be a target monster situation for him. So if you want to play Jacobs and Renfro, I think that that's totally fine. Uh, but Renfro for sure is someone that I will be in there. He's a lot like Jonathan Taylor. I just can't imagine many scenarios where you're not, those aren't the first two people in lineups. Um, certainly going to be that way if you're running any sort of optimizer. Those are the two that are going to be in pretty much every lineup. So all in on Renfro. Um, you know, if you want to take some other shots, I think that that's fine. Uh, Foster Moreau is obviously one that stands out. Um, I probably would prefer the pivot to Njoku in this spot or playing both of them if you're not going into the running back situation. Uh, in doing so, at 3,700 on Moreau and 2,500 or 2,800 on Njoku, you run those in tight end and flex, and you can essentially get whatever you want across the rest of the lineup. So that that's something that I would recommend doing on this slate personally. Um, you know, it's a good way to get under that. So the minimum salary for running backs is going to be 4,000. Um, you know, that's a big difference on a two game slate versus the $2,800 salary on Njoku. Absolutely. Would you say for those that are interested in playing double ups, cash games, Hunter Renfro, Jonathan Taylor, cash game locks. Oh yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Anybody else you're considering as a cash game lock that we've already addressed? In, in, in other words, in this Raiders Browns game, um, probably at this point, it's looking like it's Josh Jacobs, um, just at, at the price point and the way they've used him. So I, I think that it would be him. Uh, other than that, maybe maybe Michael Pittman. Um, he mm-hmm. just the, the price point is fair. Uh, really, kind of depends on where you're going with some of the other pieces. But for me. Jonathan Taylor, Hunter Renfro, easily there at the top. And then the next highest stone is going to be Josh Jacobs, Michael Pittman, Nick Chubb. Um, you know, so some combination of that there. Uh, I guess I would put it like it's Taylor Pittman and Ren- or Taylor Renfro and then either Jacobs or Chubb for sure. And potentially all three of those running backs. But it- it's going to be Jacobs or Chubb in addition to those two. You're going to want you know, those three starting the core of your lineups. Yeah. And I, you know, as for me, I, I agree on Jacobs. I'm not going to let last week sort of ruin the party for Josh Jacobs. The usage will be there and the game script is going to be much better for Josh Jacobs. It, it just, it just wasn't a good game against Kansas city. Uh, this is a different opponent. So uh, I, I like Josh Jacobs in cash. I certainly like uh, Jonathan Taylor in cash. And speaking of Jonathan Taylor. Okay. So we've got the new England Patriots at the Indianapolis Colts. It's a 48, five and a half point total, which it's pretty significant compared to the total we just talked about, which again is 38 and a half. So uh, Colts are favored by two points on New England. Damian Harris, Brandon Bolden, offensive tackle Trent Brown, center David Andrews, all limited in practice. Defensive aid and Chase Winnett, Winovich, excuse me, uh, did not practice. Uh, for Indianapolis, Jack Doyle, limited in practice. Jonathan Taylor, let's talk about him. 9,200, he's going up against Bill Belichick, who, you know, as everybody likes to say, loves to take away the biggest threat of a team. Does that really matter here with respect to Jonathan Taylor? You know, I don't think it does a lot. You know, if it was a full slate, 11-game slate, I would say yes. I'd be more inclined to to say that it does. But on this slate, um, you know, with the number of players that are out in certain situations here, I I think you – end up playing him um yeah you know if you wanted to take the stance i suppose it's okay uh you're basically going to be leaving salary on the table to do so there's just a lack of high ceiling options so like even it, it sounds crazy to say but even a bad game from taylor here where he ends up scoring say 11 to 12 fantasy points and not 20 plus 
might be enough uh, on this two-game slate, um, especially with how ugly that other game is projected to be. Um, you know, there, there's a chance that having just 11 or 12 points on an off game from Taylor where he doesn't land in the end zone is still going to be enough on this slate. And then, you know, if, if he goes out there, because there's so much value on the slate, if he goes out there and has his median day of 20 fantasy points, essentially, you're, you're not winning without him. Yeah. And by the way, New England, you know, as much as they might want to take away Jonathan Taylor, they're allowing 4.49 yards per carry to running backs. So that's tied for sixth most. Uh, they don't give up a lot of rushing touchdowns. But if there's anybody who can sort of flip the script on that, it's probably going to be the Colts offensive line in front of Jonathan Taylor. So that's something to keep in mind. The, you know, the, the Patriots running back situation, and we'll get to the receivers in a second, I, I think is really interesting. So you have Damian Harris at 6,100 and then Ramondre Stevenson at 4,900. Now, I just mentioned Damian Harris was limited at, at practice. You know, it's kind of strange to me. I mean, I feel like the hamstring injury was, I don't want to say it was significant. I don't know how significant it was, but I would have a lot of hesitation playing Damian Harris. I think in Ramondre Stevenson's case, my assumption here, uh, you know, a, a little bit out from this game is that Stevenson's at least going to get half of the rushing attempts. And again, it's an assumption I'm making, but but just taking what we've seen the last few weeks and taking the fact that Damian Harris has been limited with a hamstring injury that we all saw on national television just a, a short week and a half ago. Uh, how are you feeling on Harris? Is, is he even a contrarian play at this point or are people just plugging him in? Yeah, I mean, Harris, I, I think, will be a more contrarian play just because I, I think that it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb going to dominate the, uh, the the ownership there. But I I struggle to get there just, you know, at the price points and differences. I like getting a little different here with Dearness Johnson and, and Demetric Felton. So I'm not going to be playing uh, Damian Harris as of now. I, I more than happy to play uh, Ramon J. Stevenson if I have to get there. But mm -hmm. overall, I think my my running backs, uh, it, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb for the most part. Yeah, and, and I'll say that, you know, the, the Colts rush defense is, is certainly formidable. But I, I to get different in this one, because I will be playing some chalk, the same chalk that, you know, we just discussed a few minutes ago, I, I might go ahead and take a flyer on Ramondre Stevenson in some, you know, non-cash builds, because I think, I just I just think he's going to be low owned enough to justify the play if he actually does get, let's say, 50 to 60 percent of the overall work. Again, that that's within the context of Damian Harris having coming off of this injury. OK, the pass catchers, who are we interested in here and do we like any of the quarterbacks? I mean, first of all, we we obviously talked about the, the Raiders and the Browns. I mean, Case Keenum, Derek Carr. Not a ton to be interested in there, although I think Derek Carr is interesting. But let's just talk about Mac Jones and Carson Wentz for now. Are we interested in any of them? We, we, you know, we are playing a quarterback, obviously, in this two-game slate. Yes, you are playing a quarterback. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is by far and away going to be the most popular. I would expect Carson Wentz to literally be 50% owned on this slate. Mm -hmm. um, Mac Jones will probably be the second highest owned quarterback here. And I would guess that that's going to be 25 to 30% as well. I would expect 80% ownership at the QB position in this game, which is interesting because both of these teams have pretty good run offenses, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm hesitant to play Mac Jones. I think that they're going to make him throw the football, which is why I'm also a little hesitant with the running backs. You know, easier said than done, but I, I think that with the Patriots at this point, especially, uh, you know, with this game, you know, being a road game for him. I think the game plan for the Colts here is load up in the box, stop the run, make Mac Jones throw the football down the field, make Mac Jones go beat you. And if that's what happens, they're going to live with the outcome. So, 
you do get a little more upside in his volume. Um, but I, I think I'm totally out on the Mac Jones side of it. I'm actually most interested in playing a quarterback in the other game. And, and yeah. the reason for that is just the simple leverage that you get. Um, you know, I'm guessing my my projections are at least in the neighborhood. Uh, so we'll, we'll call it between 70 to 80 percent of the overall ownership at the QB position is going to be in this Patriots and Colts game. Uh, so I'll be building lineups with the other two quarterbacks. Um, you know, in case Keenum, you can get drastically different. The price point drops down under 5K. Um, so that's where I'm going to be going personally. And that's going to allow me to A, be different and B, have enough money to pay for Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, whoever I want, Hunter Renfro, and, and essentially every lineup. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in in Derek Carr to be honest with you. I realize he hasn't been good lately, and I realize the weather is an issue here. Their implied point total isn't super high at just twenty, but I I just think that's an interesting pivot off of uh, Indianapolis, off of Carson Wentz. I will say this about Carson Wentz: I mean, they do have the highest implied point total of twenty four. It's not really that close. New England's second with twenty one and a half, and then the other two teams eighteen point seven five, nineteen point seven five. And, and I point that out because while I'll have Jonathan Taylor pretty much in every lineup, I think Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor stacks are just interesting, knowing that they have the highest employed, implied total. They're getting all of the points if you play those two guys. In, in other words, all of the Indianapolis Colts points. So I think that's certainly something to consider. Before we close shop here, uh, let's talk about the pass catchers in this game. Obviously, you had mentioned Michael Pittman as potentially a cash option for you. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, you know, still on this team, 4,200. He's always priced in, in the low 4Ks. We have Kendrick Bourne, 5,300. Jacoby Myers, 5,100. Nelson Aguilar at 3,500. My opinion on all of these guys for the Patriots is you're really kind of taking a big swing here because you don't know who who is going to get the targets among the receivers or really among the tight ends for that matter. So I'm not super interested in any of those guys. If I were, it would probably be the cheaper option like a Nelson Aguilar because he can certainly get behind this secondary. I'm obviously interested in Michael Pittman as well. Uh, T.Y. Hilton certainly in play. Jack Doyle. Uh, what do you like here? Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned it. it's Michael Pittman for me just – when I'm looking in these situations, especially on a two-game slate, I, I really want my players to have that upside, right? And, and we've seen the upside that Michael Pittman possesses, uh, especially if they do try to limit Jonathan Taylor as much as they can, which sounds like a really silly statement to make. Of course, they're going to try to limit him. Everyone tries to limit him, right? But look, I, I like Michael Pittman. I like his upside. Same thing on the other side, though. I like Jacoby Myers. I, I think that out of all the receivers there, Kendrick Bourne's getting a lot of attention recently. Uh, I think this is a good spot to go back to Jacoby Myers. The price point really isn't prohibitive at all. He's actually cheaper than Kendrick Bourne now. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great spot to pivot over to Jacoby Myers. Uh, and I, I think you could totally get away with playing each receiver there and, and hope that both teams have to throw the football a little more. That sounds good. All right, Mike, thank you very much. That is our two-game special episode for the Saturday Slate. Hopefully, you've already heard our main slate, the Sunday Slate show. If you haven't, it is our regular Thursday game-by-game -game breakdown, and that will be in your podcast feed. So check that out after you check this out, if you haven't already, and we'll see you soon.